that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? If you're a Christian, how do you deal with the subject of calamity, suffering, when things go wrong in your life and you are a Christian? How do you deal with that? When bad things happen to, to Christians, be it health issues, be it any issue you want to talk about, any type of pain and suffering, loss that you want to deal with, how do you, how do you deal with that as a Christian? In other words, why did God allow this bad thing to happen to me? And a lot of times that is the question. Now, if you're not a Christian, then I have no answers for you. Uh, you're just in the world, you're taking your chances and bad things happen and the bad things that happen to you are basically meaningless. Now, I think, you know, the atheist, one of the atheist's laments here is that the atheist cannot wrap his mind around why God would allow bad things to happen to his children. He just can't deal with that subject. And that's one of the reasons for a lot of unbelief in the world, a lot of people that don't believe in God, they just can't wrap their mind around a God that would allow bad things to happen to his children. And so today, because of that, what you have, what is very popular today is a lot of these motivational preachers uh, I call them motiv I don't call them preachers. I call them motivational preachers. I don't call them preachers of the gospel or anything like that. Basically, they're motivational preachers. And, you know, sometimes that's encouraging. Sometimes we need that, and they do a good job of that. But I don't confuse them with preachers of the gospel. I just call them motivational preachers. But, but they present God as just a blessing machine, that God wants you to have this three-car garage. He wants you to have this Mercedes-Benz, these little sports cars. He wants you to have all this money in your bank account. And so they present God as just a mere blessing machine. And of course, if that's all God was about, then the Bible would just consist of a bunch of lottery numbers and we could read the lottery numbers and play them and win the lottery and we'd have all these material blessings. But if you're a real Christian, you know bad things can happen to God's children. And you know that by reading your Bible. You know that by reading the prophets. You know that by reading uh, the, the story of Jesus, the, the, the story of the disciples. You know, if you're a real Christian, you know bad things can happen to good people and especially to Christian people, people that take the name of Jesus Christ, that bad things can happen to you. Now, in Isaiah 45 and verse 7, this is a disturbing vo uh, verse here, a disturbing verse in the Bible. It says, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Now, the English Standard Version of the Bible says, I create calamity. That may be a better way to understand it. Other verses will say, I create happiness and I create sorrow. But either way, however you want to slice this, however you want to cut this scripture up, it's something that is very disturbing about our, our relationship with God, that God says, I create evil, I create calamity, I create a happiness, but I also create sorrow. How do you deal with this? 
Now, you know, calamity, bad things, that would include a lot of things, by the way. A simple def definition for me would be anything bad that happens to a Christian. Uh, how do we deal with that? That's basically how I'm looking at calamity. Um, now, you might ask, well, are you saying bad things happen to me, the, the bad things that happen to me that they came from God? Uh, you know, a lot of calamity does not come from God. God doesn't cause it. But when you consider this fact, God didn't prevent it either. You know, sometimes that's the struggle that we have. Well, now, okay, I agree God didn't cause this to happen, but he didn't prevent it from happening. And that gives us a fit. That gives us a, a great struggle there. Well, why didn't God prevent this thing? I know he didn't cause it, but why didn't he prevent it? Not sure I can give you all the answers here, but I'm going to take a shot at it. Uh, now, if you're a Christian, here's the thing to, 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 to remember. No matter what happens to you, God is in control. No matter what bad thing happens to you, God is in control. And that's the hardest part. Uh, that's the hardest part of our faith. It's the hardest part is trusting in God when bad things happen to Christians. Now, there's three theories, and, I, and I, what I'm sharing fr uh, from this program is a message that I got from Dave Haver from the Big Sandy Church of God. I want to give him credit where credit is due there. It was a very powerful message, but um, anyway, I'm just copying some of his material. You know, preachers do that. They, they take each other's material. They do that all the time. Uh, nothing wrong with that, you know. But anyway, uh, three concepts ab about God's involvement in calamity. Okay, I'm going to give you three concepts about God's involvement in calamity when bad things happen to us. Uh, and it's important to sort of evaluate these three and at least consider, okay, this thing I'm going through, where does it fit among these three areas? The first one is that God plans and directs the calamity. That's number one. Number two is God allows Satan to plan the calamity. Okay, that's number two. Number three is God allows the calamity without having a specific purpose. You know, it just happens. All right, that's three views about when bad things happen to Christians, calamity. Now, again, if you're a Christian, it will be important to try to discern where your calamity fits in to these three. All right, let's go through each one. Number one, God is directly involved in the calamity. God uh, conducts the calamity for his special purpose. Now, here we would talk about maybe the birth of Jesus, um, that God intervened directly. There was a lot of calamity going on with the birth of Jesus. You know that. Herod wanted to kill Jesus. Now, why did Herod want to kill? Well, maybe it, he, he perceived him as a threat to the throne, and so Herod wanted this child dead. And of course, God was directly involved in this, in protecting his son. A lot of calamity was going on, but you see God's hand involved in this. Matthew 2 and verse 13, it says, When they were departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Wow. You know, Herod was an evil man, hell-bent on causing calamity and suffering. Herod killed all the children in Bethlehem two years of age and under. Now, if you were a mother, 
of one of these children. Would you call that calamity, bad things happening to you? Oh, yes. I mean, it's horrendous. It's horrendous. Now, uh, God didn't cause Herod to kill these children. These children. Understand this. Because man is free, he allows them to create calamity. Because God created us with freedom of choice, you know, uh, don't eat of that fruit lest you die. And what did man do? He ate of the fruit. That's freedom of choice. You see, man is free to do many wonderful and great things, to alleviate pain and suffering. We're free to do that. But man also is free to create pain and suffering. I mean, just look at the history of our nation. Just look at the history of the world, for that matter. You know, Adolf Hitler, six million Jews killed. Hitler caused a lot of calamity, pain, and suffering. Think about all the wars that go on. You know, men do these things, and God has allowed man freedom to create calamity. Look at 9-11. You know, a bunch of idiots boarded an aircraft, hijacked the aircraft, and flew it into the World Trade Center. That's calamity. Okay? Because man is free, God allows man to create calamity, pain, and suffering. God did not cause Herod to kill all these children two years and under, but he didn't stop it either because evil men are free to create calamity, pain, and suffering on others. You know, I was just thinking about, you know, the condition of our world today. When you give permission to create calamity to others, for example, when you give Iran the ability to wipe us off the, you know, the, the fund the money to build, you know, nuclear uh, bombs that can chemical and warfare, chemical uh, bombs that could destroy us. When you allow, when you give man permission to create calamity, that is, that's not good. That's not good. Uh, as far as this deal that we just made with Iran, uh, first Israel will be, will be wiped out, then America. But, you know, and, and here's the thing. When the bombs fall on good old Uncle Sam, God's not going to stop that. There's going to be Christians dying in the streets, and God, where are you? And God basically says, okay, I've given man freedom of choice to create, but you shouldn't encourage it. You shouldn't give people permission to do this, as we have just done as a nation, where we've given Iran the ability to wipe us off you know, because of that deal. Secretary of State John Kerry uh, to, to, um, to, to, to basically funding our own death is what's going on. In the middle of calamity, though, Jesus was protected. You see, God's direct hand was involved in this calamity. Why was Jesus protected? Because Jesus was in God's direct line of duty. Uh, God directed the calamity. Okay, God directed the calamity. Other examples of this is uh, the Tower of... Babel, uh, the, where God confounded the language. I mean, here were people building this tower, and they weren't building this tower to reach heaven, to reach God. These people weren't stupid, by the way. You know that, don't you? They built that in the lower plains of the land, so they didn't even build it on a mountain. But, so they, they, they had brain cells, so they weren't, the idea I can go up into heaven, that was not the idea. It was like a monument that represented 
the, the, the grandeur of mankind, the wisdom, the intelligence of mankind. And God actually says, look, we've got to go down there and do something because if we don't, anything they have perceived in their mind, they'll be able, be, be able to do it. So if God had not confounded the languages, in a very short time, and you've got to understand God is on a 6,000 year time schedule, but if God had not confounded the languages that, that they would have developed uh, air travel, space travel, nuclear fusion, all that stuff, they would have developed that a lot quicker. And so God had to slow down the process. And so God, directly involved in this calamity, confounded the languages. They're walking around. They can't even communicate to each other. You talk about confusion and calamity. We can't even communicate to each other. And so they left off... Um, and, and was scattered throughout the world and, and went into different places. And the process of development was slowed down with humanity when God confounded the language. But my point is, God was directly involved in this. The flood, I will destroy man from the face of the earth. God, in this case, God caused the calamity. The fountains of the earth, the flood, the rain for 40 days and 40 nights, you know, that, that was God directly involved in the calamity. Okay, get this. We're dealing with the point number one. God is directly plans and is directly involved in the calamity. Uh, I will harden Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's heart. You know, uh, Pharaoh would say, okay, let him go. Let the children of Israel go into the wilderness to worship me. Keep the feast. And then God would harden Pharaoh's heart. He said, no, bring him back, bring him back. I'm not letting him go. Uh, God was directly involved in this. Yes. Okay, the second one is how to deal with when we're suffering as a Christian, how to understand it. The second one is God allows Satan to plan the calamity. Now, this one's disturbing, I must admit. It is disturbing, it really is. Job 1 and verse 8 says this. It says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that fears God and avoids evil? Job was not on Satan's radar screen. God introduces Job to Satan. Hey, Satan, have you seen this guy right here? Man, he's something out. He's a good man. He's a righteous man. Now, this is disturbing when you think about it, the thought of you being introduced to a diabolical spirit called Satan. That's disturbing. Uh, now, I admit Job had some issues of, I think, self-righteousness that had to be corrected. You know, sometimes when we're living the straight and narrow life, that, that God sees things that we don't see, and there are certain corrections that have to be made. Well, Job 1 and verse 12 says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only upon himself put not forth your hand. In other words, you can do whatever you want to, Satan, with Job, but you can't take his life. Uh, now, when it comes to calamity, Satan can only work within the perimeters of God's will. This is critical to understand. When it comes to calamity, pain and suffering, Satan can only work within the perimeters of God's will. God is in control is what I'm saying. Now again, I know this is disturbing uh, because Job had to suffer a lot. He had a lot of calamity going on in his life. Now, let me ask you a question. If you're a Christian, can God take away the hedge of protection and allow Satan to get at you? Answer, yes. 
We, read, we understand this from the book of Job. Second question. Can God allow you to fall to temptation in order to teach you a lesson? Now, all of this gets very complicated because we know that God doesn't tempt us, but I didn't say God tempts you. I'm saying that God, there is a being that God can allow to tempt you. Uh, now, you might say, well, we don't need any help from God or Satan to fall flat on our face. Yes, I understand that. But here's the point. More wisdom is gained through your failures than your successes sometimes. That sometimes from our failures, a lot of understanding and wisdom is gained. In fact, if you are to be used by God, you're going to have to be familiar, familiar with failure, very much so. Everything going perfect in your life, every, everything about you is successful, everything about your character is successful, chances are God's not going to be able to use it. He's going to have to allow you to understand what failure is like before you can be used by God. Job 2 and verse 3, now this is the second time, and, he said unto, and the Lord said unto Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect man, an upright man, one that fears God and avoids evil, and still he holds his integrity, although you've moved me against him to destroy him without a cause. Job 2 and verse 4, And Satan answered the Lord and said, ah, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man has, he will give for his life. But put forth your hand now and touch his bone and flesh, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said, Behold, he is in your hand, but save his life. In other words, you can, do, you can touch his body, but don't kill him. And again, this is disturbing, but Satan can only work within the perimeters of God's will. So we, we see here so far that God, God, number one, God plans the, and directs the calamity. God allows Satan to plan the calamity, but there's a third option. Before we get to this third option, let me just ask you a question. Could, could God, because he is God, look at the condition of America and say, you know, to Satan, Satan, have you considered America a nation that claims to be Christian but, but is not acting like a Christian nation? A nation that has 450,000 churches that dot our land. 650,000 preachers in America. And they're not acting like a Christian. What, you know, what, what's your plan for creating calamity upon America? Could God do that? You know, a lot of times we put God in a box and say, well, God would never do anything like that. But you know, sometimes there's only one way to get our attention. And that's when bad things happen. In good times... Oh, we drift away from God. We drift away from God. Okay, third point is that God allows the calamity without having any specific purpose in mind. Now, this, was, this one's disturbing to me also. You know, it's like the bumper sticker that says, uh, blank happens. You, you've probably seen that before. But, you know, just stuff happens. Stuff happens. Time and chance happens to us all. Luke 13 and verse 1 says, There was present at the season some that told him, of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Now here were people, you know, you've heard of the statement, you know, the person was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Well, these people were at the right place at the wrong time. You know, they, they were actually giving sacrifices. And the Roman soldiers came in and killed them and mingled their blood with the sacrifices that they were offering. They were in the right place at the wrong time. Church shootings, you know, that's the right place. It, being in church is at the right place, is it not? 
They were in the right place at the wrong time. 9-11, you know, these people, they were in the right place. They were working at their jobs. They're in the right place at the wrong time. Time and chance. You know, it happens. It happens. Anyway, uh, Luke 13, verse 2, it says, And Jesus answered and said to them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were worse sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? You know, when the towers fell, were these people the worst of sinners? No, absolutely not. Uh, I mean, again, they were in the right place at the wrong time. Jesus said in verse, next verse, verse 3, I tell you, no, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And here's the thing that's disturbing. Even if you do repent, even if you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you can be at the right place at the wrong time. Stuff happens. Time and chance happens. And because man is free, God allows man to do evil works. Ecclesiastes 8 and verse 11 says, Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Yeah, you know, it's true. Our justice system is not that good. We allow people to do evil things, and the sentence may take 20 years before the guy's actually sentenced. And uh, because of that, the hearts are men, of men are fully set to do evil. You know, in ancient Israel, there was no such thing as incarceration. They didn't have prisons. You were tried, and then the sentence was carried out. Now, I have a free DVD on that subject entitled Crime. Uh, if you want to know how that system worked back then compared to our system today, it's a powerful message entitled Crime. You can order that, and I'll send it to you free of charge. Continuing on, Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 11. It says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happens to them all. Listen, if you're at an intersection and a drunk flies through 100 miles an hour, you know, a couple seconds earlier, it'll be uh, the person in front of you. A couple seconds later, it'll be the person behind you. But if that time and chance is just right, it's going to be you. You're going to be T-boned by a drunk driver driving 100 miles an hour. That's what I mean by time and chance. And uh, God allows sometimes calamity without having any special purpose in mind. Uh, now, Matthew 5 and verse 45 says this. It says, That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. God does not cause it to rain down property lines. You know, because you're a good person, you know, you're getting the rain. And you look over at your neighbor who is an evil person, and it's dry as a gourd over there. His whole yard is burnt up. No, that's not the way God works. He causes it to rain on the, on, you know, on the just and unjust. Um, now, I, a lot of us would say, I don't like the way this whole thing is set up. And I hear you. I mean, I sometimes struggle with it. I don't like this. I mean, God allows men to do evil. Uh, time and chance. I don't like that. Uh, God makes it rain on the just and unjust. I don't like these things. And, and my advice is, because I don't like it either, uh, is to carry your burden to God. If, 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 if you're struggling with something, tell, if you're suffering as a Christian, tell God the way you feel. You cannot deny the way you feel, so you might as well tell God because He already knows. Take it, take your burden to God, whatever you're going through. 
You know, the sad thing is this. Originally, man was in a place called Eden. And Eden was free from calamity. Yeah, yeah, it was a perfect society. It was a perfect environment. Free from calamity. No earthquakes, no fault lines, you know, ripping apart, no hurricanes or tornadoes or anything like that. It was a perfect environment. And in this environment, man was free from calamity. And when man chose to sin, he left Eden and he entered a world full of calamity. Now we know why man had to leave Eden, you know. He chose sin over God. But you know, when I think about it, I'm guilty as the next person. I'm just as guilty. I've, I've made the same mistakes of choosing sin over God. Now, if you would like an outline to this message, just be sure, I don't always offer this, but uh, I have an outline Again, this message uh, was, was given by Dave Haver from the Big Sandy Church of God, but, but I don't think he would mind me sharing this with you, but uh, uh, an outline to try to understand about calamity and where this thing that you're going through, where it fits in. You know, it's easy to worship God when everything is going your way. It's hard as hell to worship God when you're in the middle of calamity. That's the bottom line. And I think this message, this outline will help you. I can send that to you free of charge. God plans and directs the calamity. God allows Satan to plan the calamity or God allows the calamity without having a specific purpose. And I think it's, you need to be versatile to see where do I fit? Where is this thing I'm going? Where does it fit in at? A lot of times we get stuck in one mode. I have a tendency to look at everything as time and chance. Stuff happens. And because I'm stuck in that mode, sometimes I don't see God that this may be something that God is doing in my life or God is allowing to come into my life. And so therefore, there's a purpose for it. There's a reason behind it. Something God is trying to teach me. So you don't want to get just stuck in that one mode like I have of just believing everything is time and chance that happens to you. Regardless of the calamity, you are never outside of God's will. The Bible tells us this, that, that all things work together for good to those that love God. And that includes what you're going through, your suffering, your calamity. And that's what's really in your Bible. If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount. 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program.